Hey everybody, Stefan Molyneux from Free Domain. Hope you're doing well. So a couple of articles here that I think are well worth talking about and looking at. So first and foremost, with regards to COVID, yeah, the second wave is coming. It's upon us in Canada in particular. And it's really, and there's a couple of things about it that are really kind of pathetic. The first, of course, is that eight months, nine months after the pandemic first became evident, they're still claiming that they have no capacity for any kind of wave. In other words, they've had seven, eight, nine months to prepare and they're still not ready. So the whole crushing the curve turned out to be, hey, just crush your liberties, as I suspected and talked about in April. So that's kind of sad. The second thing is that we have a population that is fundamentally unable to manage its own anxiety and its problems due to propaganda, due to um, anti-rational, anti-philosophical, cultural edicts. And so we have this whack-a-mole that is occurring in the world at the moment. It's very sad, which is COVID flares up and everything shuts down. And then COVID goes away a little bit and things open up, COVID flares up and everything shuts down. And we just don't have the capacity to say, I mean, this is one of the reasons, one of the many reasons I'm not in politics, is we have a population that simply cannot handle being told the truth. Which is, yeah, China facilitated the release of this deadly virus out into the world, and China applied all of its totalitarian advantages in the tamping down of this uh, virus. And therefore, we're kind of host, and there's just no easy way out of this. So because the, the population can't hear the truth, everyone has to pretend that there's some way to manage it called destroying the economy. And now in Ontario, it's the biggest, yes, Sunday was the biggest rise in COVID cases uh, since the beginning of the pandemic of 700 people in a day. And meanwhile, it's going to take about two years, even if it stopped tomorrow, to get the backlog of surgeries back up. And so, yeah, 10 times the number of people are dying from deferred health care than are dying from covid and it's uh, just a massive disaster all around. And fundamentally, it's because any, po any politician who tells the truth, who says, look, we should have closed the borders. This constant screams of racism paralyzed our ability to deal with this. If you look at Taiwan, Taiwan is now post-pandemic because they could close their borders. They could be ruthless in securing their own uh, society, largely because being genetically indistinguishable from the mainland to a large degree, uh, they couldn't be called racist for closing the borders to China. And so, yeah, they've dealt with it. And then, uh, but So we can't talk about the fact that uh, paralysis and fears of racism, uh, fears of being called racist and so on. Now we have this problem that's embedded in our entire society and there's no wishing it away. And uh, the vaccine is going to have itself negative effects because vaccines always do, particularly when they're rushed in a couple of months, as opposed to taking the normal 10-year process, which I think is too long. But somewhere in the middle is probably the sweet spot. So, yeah, we just can't have any factual conversations about what's going on. So we play this imaginary game of whack-a-mole, right? I mean, we're addicted to falsehoods and therefore we can't have any facts interfere with this, which means that it's going to flare up and die down and flare up and die down. And meanwhile, it's like taking a baseball bat to the economy. Uh, it just wrecks it over time and then there won't be any resources, but we can't take any tough news. We can't. We can't have any sacrifices demanded of us, and therefore, it's just going to come and go and come and go. Now, my major issue with COVID, because everybody is talking about the mortality rate, and the mortality rate outside of the elderly is 
very low. But there are things that are challenging regardless of death when it comes to an ailment, right? So here, persistent fatigue is a significant burden for more than half of COVID-19 patients. Now, this, of course, is not half of COVID-19 sufferers, but the patients, right? Patients recovered from COVID-19 may experience persistent fatigue for months after recovery, according to a new study. Researchers at Trinity College in Dublin found that more than half of the recovered patients examined for a study experienced experienced post-viral fatigue syndrome, whether they were hospitalized with severe symptoms or not. Whilst the presenting features of SARS-CoV-2 infection have been well characterized, the medium and long-term consequences of infection remain unexplored. And this is from ah, two days before my birthday, September 22nd, 2020. Uh, this is the lead researcher. Our findings demonstrate a significant burden of post-viral fatigue in individuals with previous SARS-CoV-2 infection after the acute phase of COVID-19 illness. So 128 patients with a mean age of 50 recruited 10 weeks following recovery. 54% of participants were women and about 56% were hospitalized. So this was the uh, fatigue measured by this fatigue score. The severity of illness did not determine the level of fatigue. The researchers noted that women with depression were more likely to experience the post-viral syndrome. Women made up just over half of the study participants, but represented two-thirds of those with fatigue. In an analysis of participants' pre-existing conditions, depression was identified in more than 13% of participants with fatigue and less than 2% of those without fatigue. Study authors suggest non-pharmacological interventions for patients experiencing persistent fatigue, including lifestyle modification, cognitive behavioral therapy and self-pacing exercise. Now, this is really interesting. And when it comes to, I'm not saying this is hypochondria, but when it comes to hypochondriacs, I believe, certainly my own personal experience has pointed this out, that women are overrepresented in hypochondria. I'm not saying this is hypochondria, but the depression is very interesting. One of the things that I've read about with people who are suffering from post-COVID fatigue, they're called the long haulers, is that they are surrounded by people who say, what, aren't you better yet? Uh, maybe you're just imagining things. Maybe it's something else. Like they, they, they show a kind of annoyance and impatience with the length of the illness, which kind of means that you're surrounded by jerks. And this is one of the things that always troubles me when it comes to talking about uh, depression and anxiety. I said this many years ago that there's something called um, SAD, social anxiety disorder, yeah, it could be that you're socially anxious. It could also be that you're just surrounded by dangerous assholes. And so all of the stuff they have down here around, uh, well, you know, we've got cognitive behavioral therapy and so on, lifestyle modification. Uh, it could also be, um, you know, get the parasites out of your life. Speaking of which, I did watch the movie Parasites. It was a very interesting movie. And everybody's got it wrong, <laughs> as usual, right? They're all talking about it's about capitalism and class and so on. No, 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 it's about parenting. Right? You have one group who exploits and bullies their children and is violent, and you have a, another group that is nice to their children and sympathetic and thoughtful towards their kids, and these are the two differences. The differences is not in class, in economy, in relation to the means of production. It is in relation to parenting. Just sort of want to mention that, right? So this long-haul stuff is, is pretty significant. Uh, that's one. And another is, um, what do we got here? These COVID symptoms could last for months. This is, again, from the same. Long haulers have been suffering from a variety of ailments. It's a bit of a typo there. Some of which may not sound like typical COVID issues. COVID-19 symptoms usually bring to mind flu-like symptoms, plus trouble breathing or losing your sense of taste. And many people can get, even get by with minimal impact on their lives, even with an active infection. 
Some won't have any symptoms at all. Yeah, it's true. I know two people who've had it, and uh, it's been pretty mild for both of them. Long-term issues stemming from a COVID-19 infection could look quite different from those first couple of weeks in keeping with the pattern seen with other viral infections. Patients who suffered from SARS, the impacts of even a short-term illness sometimes led to diminished exercise capacity or lung function that persisted years after being first diagnosed. Similar issues were spotted in Middle East Respiratory Syndrome survivors. So, uh, Director of Global Health and Emergency Medicine at Columbia University recounted his long-haul impacts of a 2014 Ebola encounter, which to this day leaves him struggling with concentration and memory. Oh, I gotta tell you, it's pretty brutal. I mean, the one thing, I, there's lots of things I don't want. You know, the old saying that somebody who's healthy wants many things, somebody who's unhealthy wants only one thing, recover their health, of course. He said, in discussions I've had with many COVID long haulers, both at the ER and online, I've heard so many describe symptoms similar to what I experienced in the months after my illness. The fatigue, brain fog, and feeling better some days and worse the next. So that's pretty, uh, pretty important. In research done by the CDC, I know, I know, at the end of July, over 30% of COVID-19 patients had not returned to normal health conditions two or three weeks after testing. Out of the respondents between 18 and 34, who typically have milder cases of illness, one in four still hadn't fully recovered weeks after testing. Even some children were still feeling the infection take a toll on their health months after infection, and the symptoms were far-ranging from depression to myocarditis. So that's um, pretty important. One of the um, first signs of long-haul COVID-19 infection is feeling like uh, the infection never left your body, days or even months after you should have theoretically recovered. One study in JAMA found that in 179 Italian patients, ranging from age 19 to 84, only about 12% had experienced full recovery. Over 50% still felt fatigued. About 44% described a worsened quality of life. Other common symptoms that lingered like cough, fever, chest pain, headaches, and occasional shortness of breath. Another study estimates that about 1 in 10 COVID-19 patients will, will feel unwell for more than three weeks, with a subset ranging into months. And it's pretty mysterious as to why. Weak antibody responses or inflammatory reactions as possible reasons. There is also a theory that fragments of the DNA remain in your system even after you've cleared the virus and your immune system is still fighting, still, is still attacking it. Now, the heart issues is very, very important. A study released in July of 100 COVID-19 patients showed that in most of those who had supposedly recovered two months prior, they were still showing cardiac problems, ranging from structural changes to biomarkers that indicate cardiac injury. The fact that 78% of, quote, recovered patients had evidence of ongoing heart involvement means that the heart is involved in a majority of patients, even if COVID-19 illness does not scream out with the classical heart symptoms such as anginal chest pain. She noted that many of the people tested were relatively young, recovered from the disease at home, and had no idea that anything was wrong with their hearts. In several professional and college-level athletes, cases of myocarditis, inflammation of the heart muscle, have popped up as COVID-19 cases have risen. This type of inflammation is caused by a viral infection, but it's still challenging to know precisely how SARS-CoV-2 might cause myocarditis. Several autopsies have found inflammation in the heart's blood vessels instead of muscle cells, which are, which are where other infections tend to hit. So cardiologists are concerned that even if COVID-19 generally causes only mild myocarditis, even that level of damage could lead to elevated risk of heart attack or failure in the future. So, of course, it is... Um, a respiratory virus to, to a large degree. One study from August shows that some long-term recoveries from COVID-19 infections may include uh, chronic cough, fibrotic lung disease, uh, bronchi bronchiectasis, 
and pulmonary vascular disease. The worst cases of COVID-19 may increase a person's risk for acute respiratory distress syndrome and sepsis, which even if even when survived, both create lasting damage to the lungs and other organs. So many many lung injuries can heal. There's initial the initial injury to lungs followed by scarring over time the tissue heals, but it can take three months to a year or more for a person's lung function to return to pre-COVID-19 levels. Mount Sinai researchers found that out of Nearly 4,000 hospitalized COVID-19 patients, nearly half of them suffered from acute kidney injury and 19% required dialysis. So remember, this is not people who've suffered, the people who are actually hospitalized and suffered. More than a third of patients who were discharged had not recovered to baseline kidney function when they left the hospital. Like many COVID-19 impacts, the mechanism is still unknown. A nephrologist noted that it's not known how many people who go through dialysis actually recover fully in just a normal illness, which makes it a worrisome development in COVID-19 patients. He says, we may be facing an epidemic of post-COVID-19 kidney disease, and that in turn could mean much greater numbers of patients who require kidney dialysis and even transplants. Brain fog may be one of the more minor neurological symptoms that stick around long past supposed recovery. So for me, like I, I basically require on the agility of my brain as my basic catechism of functioning, so this is a particular symptom issue to me, though, of course, if you're physically tired, it's hard to concentrate as well. So Chief of Neuroinfectious Diseases says evidence shows that at least one third of people who have COVID-19 experience neurological complications. According to the BBC, more than 300 studies have shown strange neurological symptoms in COVID-19 patients, including mild symptoms like headaches, loss of smell and tingling sensation, or even drastic cases of aphasia, a speech disorder, strokes and seizures. The causes of these neurological problems could be a lack of oxygen to the brain due to respiratory problems during infection, a direct attack from the virus on brain cells or nerves, or an overreaction of the immune system. In extreme cases, an intense immune response known as a cytokine storm that can occur in responses to COVID-19 may penetrate the blood-brain barrier. This could lead to coma, seizures, and even death. If SARS-CoV-2 can remain dormant in neurons for many years, there's a serious chance that these patients will have long-term consequences. So because without proper testing, there's a possibility that they're never able to link them back to the virus at all. This is particularly true for patients who don't experience cold-like symptoms. Brain fog and confusion might be the only symptoms someone feels, which could keep them from getting tested. Beyond neurological issues, the anxiety and depression associated with having an intense infection can also take a severe toll on patients. After surveying over 1,500 long haulers on Facebook that hundreds of respondents struggled with anxiety, concentration, and depression. So that is uh, some pretty important stuff. So, you know, I mean, do what you can to keep yourself at bay from this kind of uh, illness because it is a new thing. It does have these ACE2 receptors that can plug into just about every cell that you have. So it is a gypsy. It is a wanderer. Uh, it is uh, on the move, and it can seem to stick around either directly or indirectly in DNA fragments for quite some time. So uh, please, my friends, just try and stay as safe as you can, because this is still a lot of unknowns, and it's more than just the fatality rate that matters. All right, this is Stefan Molyneux from Free Domain. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you soon.